Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 98. I'm Killian Finia. And I'm Zoe Bilil Springer. In this short episode, we'll be looking back at some of the Forest blog's most popular articles published in 2018. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. We're down to those roundup end of year podcast episodes. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's mental. And I was laughing about this episode because usually it's you that covers all the blogs and does the blog recaps and the monthly roundups. But we were sitting here and we're kind of like, so do we just let you do the episode alone? Or, <laughs> but uh, no, I've been drafted in to give some roundups now as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I can't be talking for the entire time. I mean, I've been told recently that we have really easy on the ear voices, but I still don't want to talk for the entire thing. That's that investment in new microphones. <laughs> 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 right, so what do we have first? Uh, we're So top 10, right? Top 10 most popular blogs of the year. And coming in at number 10, we have what are salon cash flow projections and how can they help? And this article was written by Gloria Murray. It was published in May of 2018. And essentially what this article covered now, it was a bit more technical, I suppose, because when you talk in finance, you're talking concepts that people are not necessarily always familiar with. Even I myself learn every time I read Gloria's blogs. So if I just give you a definition of a cash flow forecast before we actually get into any, any more of this, is an estimate of the amount of money you expect to flow in and out of your business and include all your projected income and expenses. A forecast usually covers the next 12 months but it can also cover short-term periods such as a week or a month. So then she goes into all the different reasons why you should actually do cash flow projections, what they are for, how they can help your business. So she gives an example as well of what is incoming cash show, you know, mainly payments from clients from treatments or services or what's outcoming cash. And she gives example of like rent, utility bills and all that kind of stuff. And then she digs deeper into, you know, how to put your projections together. And she has a few notes there for people who aren't necessarily super used to doing that. And she has examples of cash flow projection spreadsheets as well. So it's a very good read for people who aren't super familiar with cash flow projections. And I strongly recommend you reading it because to be honest, it's kind of difficult to explain this over a mic, but I suppose you can find it on the Forest blog. It came in at number 10 this year. And like I said, the title is what are salon cash flow projections and how can they help? It was written by Gloria Murray. And in ninth place, it's more like an open letter to the industry from our very own CEO, Rona Percival. And it was titled, VAT Increase Highlights Irish Government's Lack of Understanding of the Hair Sector. So what's going on here? Well, only recently, back in October 2018, the Ministry for Finance here in Ireland announced that there was going to be a VAT hike. So the value added tax from 9% to 13.5% for the hospitality sector. Now, we know that the beauty industry has always been 13.5%, but the hair industry here has always been 9%. And now they're saying that because hospitality is going up, there's also an introduction of an increase in the minimum wage and there's going to be an increase in the PRSI contribution. So that's the pay related social insurance. So all of these increases add up to a lot for a salon owner. So it's not just that the VAT is increased, it's coupled with a couple of other things. So yeah, it's kind of a case of where is this extra tax going to come? Is it going to come out of the salon owner's own pocket or are we going to have to hike up our prices? So a really good read. There was a demonstration at the Dáil, which is like the Irish Parliament here in Ireland. I think it was like within a week later. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. I remember you were there as well. And then we had an episode on Forest FM discussing it further with, was it Declan and Lisa? 
Exactly, yeah, because they both came from the hairdressing industry themselves. So as far as I know, that took place on the 1st of January. So anyone using Forest, those VAT increases have automatically gone up. But yeah, I believe this is still kind of an ongoing issue to get that VAT back down again. Yeah. And then coming in at eight, we had 10 salon business mistakes that hurt your bottom line. And this one was written by Valerie Del Forge. What was this all about again? Yes. So this one, I love, uh, it's got the lists. I love the list ones. They're so much easier to go through. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's all about kind of business mistakes that hurt your bottom line. And like I said, the first one here, failing to update your database. So think about it. You could have 20,000 clients on your books, but when you're trying to market those clients, is their information all up to date? Do they have emails? Do they have phone numbers? Are they even clients to come back to you anymore? Like you could have someone on your books that hasn't come back to you in the last five years. So is that someone you want to actively be marketing to? Probably not because again, that's added expenses you don't really need. So I'd say go into your database and just strip those guys clear. In second, we have not upselling or providing cross-sell and training. So this one, again, we touched off this so much, it kind of ties into retail. Always try and upsell your products. Even if your client's just coming in for a treatment, make sure they leave with a product. Or like David Barna said, make sure they leave with three products. Heather Yorko said the very same thing. Here's the products that I've used for your treatment. Would you like to take them home? Or would you like us to ring them through the till? Little things like that, but it's all about upselling the products. If someone's looking at getting a low end product, see if you can get them up to the medium or the high. It's just all about kind of, I suppose, pushing the boundaries a little bit more in a cheeky way. In a cheeky way, but like always informative and, you know, always remaining very professional and acting like the expert that you are. Because at the end of the day, you know what these products do or how they can have an impact on keeping that look or feel longer, you know, so... Yeah, I'm delighted you said uh, treating yourself like the expert you are, because that is what I was going to follow it up with. Like, it is it is so true. We're not just saying try and get as much money out of your clients as possible. We're saying you are the specialist here. They've come to you for a reason. So you make the most of that. In third, we have given little to no importance to customer reviews. Now, these are like, think of your online reputation. If you're going to recommend a salon to me, Zoe, the first thing I'm going to do is Google that salon. I want to check their Google reviews. I want to check their Facebook reviews. I know in America, Yelp is a really big one over there. Word of mouth isn't good enough anymore. It's how do you look online? So always pay attention to those reviews. And don't be afraid of negative reviews either, because we had a, we had a recent podcast there with Louis Grenier, and it was all about customer feedback. Like, Good reviews, yeah, they're great, but negative reviews, that's where you learn. That's where you really find out what your business is. But again, don't be afraid of them because sometimes it is just a client had a bad day and it doesn't really have any impact on you, but you need to dig through and find out. In fourth, we had having no merchandising plan. And again, that talks, it comes back to your retail, making sure your display looks not cluttered, not disorganized, not messy. It looks nice, clean, a lot of light coming out of it. And I think you're actually going to touch off lighting in a while. But yeah, it's just making your display look presentable. And if there's dust on your products, make sure you get rid of them. (laughs) Okay, so then we have fifth, not providing management for training. Think about um, your managers. The most obvious example I have here is Do they understand the KPIs? Are they able to analyze the reports that you have in Forest or spreadsheets that you're using? Are your management able to analyze and interpret that data to help grow your business? And another more recent one is, are your management aware of GDPR? So what's happening here in Europe with the general data protection regulation? It's little things like those. And then you have HR, payroll, etc. Now we're moving on to uh, not training your staff on retail. Another really good one here is staff education. I think don't really need to say any more on that. 
Do your staff know the products that you have and the products they're using and the products they're selling? Because if they know the product inside out, the client's going to buy. And seven, now I'm going to wrap these up really quick. Seven is not rebooking clients systematically. I think Heather Yurko spoke about this one on the blog. Um, they don't just book the next appointment. They book the client's next six appointments. Yeah. And and I mean, Kat Phillips has her appointment book filled for 12 months in advance. You know, there's no there's no limit. It's just how how you market it and how you pitch it to your clients. Exactly. Put yourself in demand. Tell your clients you are in demand. You you need to book. That's how you build demand. Um, eighth, then we have not having a marketing strategy for the year. Uh, we talked about that in the live version as well, where it was kind of like analyzing your reports and kind of using that to put a new plan into place. So what are the pillars that generate strong numbers for bringing clients in? Nine then is not focusing enough on reception. You better hope that the minute your clients walk into the salon, someone has acknowledged them straight away. A nod, a smile, anything. It doesn't matter how busy you are. Just acknowledge that there's someone there. And then finally, missing out on mystery visits. So you had a whole blog on this, like best practices to get people to come in a mystery shop for you. It challenges how your client experience is, how your staff work together. It's just a really good way of getting a holistic view of your business from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, so that was Valerie Delforge's 10 salon business mistakes that hurt your bottom line. And coming in at number seven, we had what you need to know before buying an existing salon. Yeah, so this is a guest article by Gloria Murray, accountant and director of Murray Associates Accountants. And she talks about five things to consider when buying an existing salon. So the very first one is, is it profitable? <laughs> Obviously, you want to hope the salon is going to be profitable. So try and get access to at least two years worth of the salon's accounts. Make sure it's making money because otherwise you're just going to end up bailing that salon out essentially. Number two, what are the monthly income, revenue and expenses? So what's the money coming in and what's the money coming out? Are you just going to end up buying a salon that's spending more than it's taken in? Again, that seems like it's just a buyout. So be very careful of that one. Third, we have management accounts and KPIs. Take a look at the KPIs because that's going to give you a really good insight into how the salon is performing. It's going to show you what it's strongest at and what the salon could do with a little bit more help at. So it's strengths and weaknesses there. Look into HR and staff issues. So how has that team gelled in the last few years? Do the team get on well together? Is the staff retention high or low? Like, do you know you're going to be able to hold on to this staff? Is there conflict with management? And finally, know what you're buying. And the best example she has here is if you buy a limited company from another owner, then you essentially inherit their liabilities, including disgruntled clients who may sue the company at a later date. I suppose the example there is it makes it a lot harder for you to create a clean sheet. So that's a really good blog to look at if you're buying a salon for the first time if or if you're even thinking of buying out another salon so some good points to check out there and that brings us into the sixth blog then yeah and this one was top insights for salon success from the fourth salon owners summit 2018 which is quite coincidental because the salon owners summit is literally just around the corner essentially this blog was a the insights of the main stage so you know gavin Hoare's talk on acting like the expert you are then it covered steve martin's small changes that sparked big influence so that was all about the science of persuasion um he had some stuff on pricing on uh, the six principles of persuasion so reciprocity scarcity authority consistency liking and social proof then you had staff management and motivation with Valerie Del Forge, which uh, was a lot about management and how to engage employees. 
And finally, we had Tabatha Coffee's Rules for Goods Business. And Tabatha was our keynote speaker at the 2018 Salon Owners Summit. So it was a, it was a talk at that I, I want to say pretty much everyone was very, very excited to hear. And she had amazing insights. One of the stats she gave was 75% of clients said they'd travel further and pay more if they got what they wanted, which is just, it makes you think about so many other things, right? And how you do business. Uh, but she had a lot of recommendations. Like I said, this blog really covers all of the four talks. It also covers the workshop insights. So we had a few workshops. We had the one with Rowena Doyle on visual merchandising. We had another one with Patty Monaghan, product director in Forest, on GDPR. And we had a third workshop with Chris Brennan, also from Forest, on work-life balance. So all of those insights could even set you up for success in 2019. So you can have a look at that blog. So again, it's called Top Insights for Salon Success from the Forest Salon Owners Summit 2018. And it was written by myself, who was at the event on the day. I will also be at the event on Monday. So you can catch me there with Killian doing some podcasting. So then number five, it was all about Instagram, which was a massive focus for a lot of salon owners out there this year. So 10 tips to perk up engagement on your salon Instagram profile. This one was also written by myself. You can also catch this article in the Instagram ebook that we released in Forest uh, late October, I want to say. You can find that ebook on forest.com forward slash resources. But essentially, it's a list of 10 tips on how you can increase your engagement. So switching to an Instagram business profile is one, posting consistently, but making sure it's quality because we all know that Instagram is probably one of the more polished social media platforms out there. Three is interacting with other users and responding to comments because essentially the more you engage with other people's profile and respond to their comments, they will actually, especially if it's people that don't follow you, they'll have a tendency to look at who has been commenting and probably check out your profile. And if it's a salon profile, then you potentially have there a, a, a new client that could come in in maybe a week or a month or sometimes it takes more nurturing. But, you know, there are your potential new clients. Four, advertise and use relevant hashtags. Hashtags are literally proven to be one of the most valuable tools when you want to reach new clients and raise brand awareness, especially on Instagram. Five, post during opportune times. So yes, there is such a thing as posting at the right time. And if you have switched to a business profile on your Instagram account, you'll have access to your analytics and you'll be able to see on a day-by-day basis when your followers are online. So if they're not online at 9 a.m., maybe try posting at a time where your audience is actually active. Then six, tag brands and customers. Uh, So you can tag people, you can tag brands, that'll send a notification to the user. And it can also lead to, again, them checking out your profile to see what they've been tagged in and why and, and, and this and that. Show off your customers. That's really interesting because recent stats show that images showing real customers actually get between 30 and 38% more engagement. So I think those stats alone say it all. Uh, Eight, run contests and giveaways. Because I know Facebook has like clamped down on the likes and shares and all of that, but Instagram is not exactly the same. You can still do all of those and they actually do work really well. So if you haven't yet considered running contests and giveaways, that's something you can do in 2019. Nine, use Instagram stories to drive engagement. To be honest, this is probably the most important tip of the entire list. It is the one that works the best. For some reason, with the algorithm on Instagram, the Instagram stories actually drive quite a bit of engagement and you'll often get better results from stories than you'll get from posts. So that's something you can look into this year. And then 10, create Instagram ads through Facebook. So you know those like little sponsored posts, 
start doing some of those, especially if you have something that you really want people to see or you're advertising for maybe an event or a VIP demo, uh, demo day or something like that, you know, get onto that, start learning how to do those Instagram ads. You can run them through Instagram directly, or you can also use the same tools you already use to create Facebook ads because obviously um, Instagram is owned by Facebook. So at the end of that blog, you have a lot of other salon Instagram resources. So we had a masterclass. You can check out the on-demand video there. There's a few related articles. And like I said, we have the Instagram ebook that was released in late 2018 that you can check out. It's uh, definitely been a year for Instagram. Like I think for a while there, there was like a battle between Instagram and Snapchat, but Instagram really has just taken off. Like I don't even use Twitter anymore. I hardly touch Facebook. Snapchat's basically deleted off my uh, phone at this stage. But Instagram, it's it's just where you spend all your time now, isn't it? And I think it's the first time ever, like from having a marketing background or whether it's a marketer's thing or not, but do you find you never click on ads? Uh, no, I'm actually a sucker for those. Really? I find Instagram I am, yeah. is the only time I'll see an ad and I'll go, ooh, I want to check this out. So yeah, like Instagram, very powerful for getting out there now. Oh, yes. Well, on Instagram, I do click on them. On other platforms, not as much. Yes. Okay. Get what you mean when you're going there. Yeah. I think it's that whole thing of someone is uh, getting charged when I click this. So unless I'm committed. <laughs> yeah. So then coming up at number four, top salon lighting tips to complement your interior design. If you look for it on the blog and um, type in my name next to it, it'll pop up. There's literally no way around it, right? Good or bad lighting can make or break your interior design. It's it's something that you notice whenever you walk into someone's house, whenever you walk into someone's business, you can feel uncomfortable just because of bad lighting. It's weird to think about it that way, but it's true. So in this blog, I've listed quite a few tips on how to choose the right lighting for different areas of your business. So there's ambient lighting, your primary light switch, right? So the, the one that you can't live or can't go without, um, it's what allows you to work, simple as. Task lighting, so, you know, if you're at a reception, um, make sure that the actual desk is well lit, that your, you know, receptionist isn't killing their eyes just to try and look at what they're doing. Uh, same for the color stations as well. Then you have accent lighting, so bringing your customer's attention to something in particular. So maybe your retail display or maybe your waiting area where you keep books and magazines. Accent lighting is also actually known as directional light. So if anyone here is familiar with that, um, that's also a synonym. And then there's five rules to remember. So I'm not going to list them all, but you can check it out on that blog. And like I said, it's called Top Salon Lighting Tips to Complement Your Interior Design. And I finished a blog on the impacts of good lighting on your salon or spa. So on your interior design, on daily administrative and reception tasks, uh, on treatment services, and on retail displays and products. So if you want to have a look at that, that is available on the Forest blog under the display and design category. And coming into the top tier of blogs, in third, we have nine subtle signs and employees thinking about leaving your salon. And this was done by our very own head of marketing, Connor Keppel. So this was done in about April. Now, I mean, like, look, listen, it's not ideal when you think a, an employee is going to leave, but when it does come, it's always good to kind of know in advance. So a couple of telltale signs to check out for here. I think, oh, we have nine telltale signs. So the first one is tardiness is kicking in. I suppose this one can seem obvious straight off the bat. Are they coming in later and later? Are their lunch breaks taking longer? Especially if this is someone that used to always turn up to work on time or come in that little bit earlier. This is a key one to look out for. Are they getting later? Second, we have employees who are thinking about leaving your salon will seem distracted. You know, that kind of like glazed over look in their eyes or they're working away, but 
I suppose the lights are on, but there's no one home. They just seemed a little zoned out, distracted. There's different things going on in their mind rather than the task at hand. So that's a good one there. They started talking about the future. Now, this one is quite a common one. You'll hear this from a lot of unhappy people. It's, oh, I think I should change my job or I should go traveling or I want to settle down. It, it all kind of comes around trying to get a job with more money or talking about their friends who are earning this much money because they did this um, thinking about going back to college to do a different career change. It's future stuff. It's a lot of stuff of if I wasn't in this salon, I could be doing. Then in fourth, we have to update their social media often. <laughs> this one is a bit of a funny one because LinkedIn, if anyone looks at my LinkedIn, there's not a whole lot there. Maybe a few things from the podcast, but I know a lot of friends in college who are always in similar boats when they're looking for jobs. LinkedIn never gets touched until you're looking for a job. And then all of a sudden, everything's getting cleaned up, your skills, your portfolio, your uh, work experience, any projects you have, everything gets added in, posts get shared. So if their social media is starting to look a lot more active all of a sudden, and especially with the salon industry, is probably a lot more professional Instagram photos going up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So things like that to look out for if it's kind of gone from zero to 60 in the space of a week or two. They seem colder with their clients and more irate with you. So again, this is kind of are they feeling distant? Are they just agitated by everything you do, everything you ask them to do? Does anything you ask them to do or request them to do seem like an effort for them? Are they not meeting expectations of their clients? Do, do your clients feel uncomfortable around them? So that's number five. Although something to keep in mind, though, is that something personal on a personal level could be affecting them, you know, so it's a good idea to approach the subject with maybe you know, with that episode we had with Bre uh, with Breed O'Mara uh, from Aware to just kind of say, hey, you seem, you know, X or whatever, like, and, and kind of see what the response is, I suppose, uh, because it could be something we all have bad days and it could be something that, you know, has happened recently and is dragging on. It might not be something related to the salon, but it's it's good to to get a bit of a, an insight into what's going on, because it could be a, that they want to leave the salon, but it could also be something very personal. Absolutely. Like it could be something personal, completely related to you. Don't just focus on that they're going through a bit of a stage this week. Does it last longer than two weeks? Because usually like everyone has a bad day, everyone has a bad couple of days. It could be anything outside of work or something that someone said to them on the way into work, like a housemate or a colleague or a family member, and it just rubs them up the wrong way. So after about two weeks, if they're still in the same situation, it could be bigger. It could be the fact they don't want to leave your salon or something bigger. So yeah, like get to know your staff members, sit down, have a chat to them and just make sure everything's all right. And that kind of brings us into... So just to finish off the last few points, I suppose, actually, um, you're getting zero feedback or input. So they might feel like it's all take, take, take from them. Um, try and get them a bit more involved. Again, take them aside, see what's going on, get them more engaged in your team meetings and feedback. Their client reviews are lower than usual. Again, are they irate with their clients? And they're socializing more often. This is actually a big one. You'll see people coming in hungover a lot more. That's usually a very big sign that there's something going on. It's not just that they've gone out on Thursday and come into work Friday, like one night a week. If they've done this a couple of nights a week, there's something there that needs to be brought up. And then finally, this kind of touches back what I was saying about the futures. They're talking about other people's salaries. 
they're not happy with their salary and again the grass is greener on the other side they might think leaving your salon is what's going to get them there but like at the end of the day we can make all these assumptions you don't know if it is that they want to leave the salon this is just telltale signs for that sit them down chat to them see if there is something that you can work out if not look at it as an opportunity to hire new talent if there is something you can work out excellent you've you've retained your your staff member that little bit longer and the last blog that I'm going to talk about is in second, so the second most popular blog this year, is 25 salon conversation starters to use with new clients. And this is actually by Zoe back in April again. So we've had a few, it must have been a popular month. Um, this one, now it's quite a long blog, but that's because it gives you loads of different bullet point things to talk about. But I'm just going to summarize this in a couple of seconds because I know everyone's eager to find out what number one is. So you've got 15 get to know your client conversation starters. These are things like if you had an extra $100 to spend on yourself every week, what would you do? What do you do to get rid of stress? And what is one of your favorite smells? Um, I was actually looking at that going, what is one of your favorite things to smell? And it wasn't until I realized I was just reading it wrong. What is one of your favorite smells? Interesting. <laughs> it's true, though, because when you think about it, when you go into a treatment room or candles, like if you have something that like it really irritates you, it can have a negative impact on your whole experience. So if you know about that beforehand, you know, you can tailor for it. This is true. This is true. And then we have 10 random questions about travel, music, books, movies, or TV shows. So an example here is, what song always puts you in a good mood? What song does always put you in a good mood, Zoe? Then we have, where is the most interesting, beautiful place you've been? I, actually, you've been to loads because you're always traveling. So uh, we'll probably have a list from you there. Definitely. But I think I think I will actually say something about that. It was definitely the national park that's across Germany and uh, Czech Republic. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Actually, you have an Instagram account where you, you photos from all over. And that's the one where it's it's like a mountainous forest, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it looked like the Star Wars scene. It was it was incredible. Skelly yeah. Michael. Something like that. <laughs> but just down in Kerry or Cork. <laughs> yeah, I know. I haven't actually been, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, to I suppose to round this blog off, the three most important things to remember to avoid for a good conversation starter is avoid talking about politics, religion and finances. So <laughs> that's just to, uh, I suppose, end that blog there. So let's give it to us, Zoe. What's number one? Number one, 10 tips to raise your salon prices without losing clients. And this was in, this was published in May. It was just off the back of the 30 days to grow challenge. So uh, helping people raise above the discounting culture in the industry. And we had David Barnett give some tips into this article as well. Uh, so there's a step-by-step -step guide to raising your prices. And this is where David Barnett's uh, technique is listed. So know what you're worth. He has a, a specific formula for that. Make sure that the numbers show that you're ready. He's also got some, some tips to figure that one out uh, that are listed there. And then aim for added value rather than profitability. So this one, essentially, if you're increasing prices for profitability, you know, that's that's not exactly the message that you want to send or convey to your happy and loyal customers. You want to actually tell them, you know, we're we're doing this and this and this more to make your experience even greater. Um, that kind of vibe instead of saying we're just raising our prices and that's it. Uh, so then you have plan your communication strategies. 
like this comes back to negative reviews and complaints. They, especially online, they can quickly get out of hand uh, and they can hurt your overall online reputation. So the first thing you really want to consider when you raise your prices is that yes, like is yes, your current costs, but any other cost increase probable to happen in the next year or so. And to make sure that you're not doing just a, a a price increase every other month, you know, and and have like a proper communication strategy around it. Send your message, send a message or a general announcement to your clients. Post a, post it as a press release on your website. Do something about it. Just make sure that your clients do know. Uh, five, think numbers and packages. Sometimes it's just easier to, to you know, create different sized or additional packages. Uh, you can make old packs seem like a bargain, even at the new price. So there's loads to think about that. Six, just do it. You know, uh, there, there was this quote I read when I was reading, writing this article and it said, don't beat yourself up. Don't lose sleep over your decision. Here's a secret. Your best customers will be surprised that you didn't raise prices sooner because they value your work. And to be honest, I thought about myself when I read that quote and I was like, you know what? Whenever I go to my hairstylist or my barber, I'm always just so proud of the work that they do and how like how their career is advancing and the trips that they take and all the education they're getting into. And whenever they say, hey, my prices have changed, I'm just like, hey, congrats. I see it as a job promotion. Like I don't see it as something that's going to cost me more. I'm just delighted for them and proud of their achievements. So yeah, don't don't lose sleep over that. If if your loyal clients really care and appreciate your work and you're always delivering an exceptional service, your clients will be, they won't even second think about it. Seven, explain, but don't apologize. You don't need to apologize. You can explain if people are asking questions, feel free to, you know, actually take the time to answer them, but you don't need to apologize to, to your clients for raising your prices. Eight, thank your clients, celebrate with your stylist therapist. This came also uh, off the back of, you know, David Barnett. It ties back into what I was just, just saying there with when I go to a barber's or a hairstylist. But then you also had Sarah Shoup from University Parents who explained the first thing she does when she increases prices is that she says thank you to customers and she expresses her appreciation for the risk they took on her. Then she's transparent about why she needs to raise prices. And then she makes sure that they understand why she's asking for uh, more money and how the product is worth more than when they started and always that. It doesn't always work, she says, but most customers tend to be understanding. Then nine and 10, make yourself available to chat, which ties back into the point uh, that I was just mentioning earlier. And 10, offer a transition option. If you can afford this, sometimes you could possibly like create slim down versions of your, you know, rethought or repriced service. And it can help ensure that your customers on a tight budget stay with you, even if it was just for like a certain transition period. But not all salons can afford this. And I'm very aware of this, but it's just a think outside the box idea. So there you go. That's those 10 tips to increase your salon prices without losing clients. And that came in at number one this year. So I guess the 30 days to grow in all our education and all the work that we've been putting with our guest contributors and all of that is actually helping you see that, you know, the dis- dis- discounting culture has to stop. You know, it's it's time to it's time to, to get on with it and, you know, do what you need to do to grow and, and have a successful business. Yeah, it's all about taking that leap. Like we see people are becoming more and more braver and like it is a hard thing to do, but just just do it. And like when you said just do it, I pictured that like Shia LaBeouf uh, gif where he's just yelling at the camera. But it is true. It's kind of like you just have to take that leap. It is it's a tough one to take, but you're going to feel so much better and your clients are going to respect you for it, too. 
Absolutely. And I mean, that is essentially 2018 blogs wrapped. If your top favorite blog wasn't featured, let us know what it was. Hit us up through, you know, any social media platforms, leave a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. And if you have any feedback generally on the show, please don't hesitate to let us know. We're always looking for ways to improve Forest FM. Otherwise, have a wonderful week, guys. We'll catch you at episode 99 for a best of the podcast 2018. All the best. 